Uh, turn with me over to Romans chapter 16. We're going to finish the book of Romans uh, this morning. And then we're going to start the gospel of Luke uh, next Sunday. So read ahead for the gospel of Luke. Um, please be in prayer. Uh, E4 Life starts this week. It's uh, the church's gap year program for students 18 to 25. And we've been just praying about how to try to reach that generation in a, a greater way. So we have 16 students that have committed almost a year of their life uh, to grow in Christ. And this first semester, they'll be uh, taking classes here at the church. God's provided a, a house for them to be able to live in. Guys downstairs, girls upstairs, and have an RA for the girls and the guys. And so Pastor Sean will be leading that, uh, but please be in prayer for that. We're excited to see that kick off uh, this week. So, all right. Well, a couple of you are really excited and almost got a, <laughs> almost got a clap going on there. So Romans chapter 16, let's pray together and we'll, we'll jump into it. Father, we thank you for the book of Romans. Thank you for the opportunity to study it together. Thank you for relationships. Uh, thank you that you in and of yourself are our relationship, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And God, would you grow us in relationship? Would you bless our relationships by your grace? In Jesus' name, amen. There really is joy in relationships. So many places in the Bible, we see God talking about relationship. In fact, God in and of himself is a relationship. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Blows our minds a bit. Three distinct persons, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, but one God. We have one God. We get these glimpses in Scripture, the fellowship, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit have together. We're told in Genesis that we're created in God's image. We're created for relationship. You may or may not have realized that, but God created for us to be in relationship. When God created Adam, he's going through his creation, saying it's good, it's good. It's not good for Adam to be alone. It's not good for us to be alone. Some of the greatest joys in life come through relationship, don't they? Imagine your life without a relationship, but also some of the greatest challenges come through relationship as well. Some of the greatest heartaches come through relationship as well. God's teaching us a lot about himself, and he's teaching us a lot about ourselves in relationship. Can you think of a couple of examples of friendship in the Bible? I, I think of David and Jonathan. David's this young man that takes the step of faith to confront Goliath. God defeats Goliath. Jonathan is Saul's son. He's watching and he says, oh, I got to get to know this young man. I got to get to know David. And God linked up a friendship there. And Jonathan was a huge support to David throughout his, his life. We look at the New Testament, Peter and John grew up together fishing on the Sea of Galilee and they were great friends called to be disciples, serving the Lord together. Peter denies the Lord and John is there for him. John is with him and John points him back uh, to Christ. That incredible friendship between Peter and John. We're told in the scriptures that two is better than one. Book of Ecclesiastes. Solomon writes that for us. But what does our culture say? What does our culture teach us? Uh, one is better than 
that you can do this by yourself. We're really an individualistic culture, but that's not the teaching of Scripture. Two is really better than one. So today, we get to look at the Apostle Paul's relationships. As he's ending the book of Romans, he mentions 26 people by name. Rome is the capital city of the Roman Empire. A lot of his friends have ended up in Rome. And so he wants to send greeting to them. And also he wants to send greeting from his team. And we have a lot that we get to learn about relationships in this chapter. Verse 1, I commend you, I commend to you Phoebe, our sister, who is a servant of the church of Chenrea. So Phoebe is the one who is going to bring the letter to the church of Rome. Obviously before email, right? Couldn't just text this bad baby over, text over the book of Romans, the PDF file. And so she is bringing this letter from Centria. She's a servant of the church of Centria, which is a seaport a few miles east of Corinth. That you may receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints and assist her in whatever business she has need of. For indeed, she has been a helper of many and of myself also. So Paul says when Phoebe comes, I want you to receive her in a manner that's worthy of the Lord. And anything that she needs while she's there in Rome, would you provide it for her? Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. We're introduced to Priscilla and Aquila in Acts chapter 18. They're always mentioned together, this husband and wife couple, this husband and wife team, and serving the Lord. They were tent makers. Paul was a tent maker. This is the way that he provided for his physical needs. So they made tents together, Priscilla and Aquila and the Apostle Paul. I bet they were pretty killer tents, don't you? Uh, maybe they came up with these tents that go on top of your vehicles and just pop up and those, those type of things. But I bet it was, was good quality as they were laboring making these tents, but also talking about the things of the Lord. And Priscilla and Aquila traveled with the Apostle Paul some and did ministry uh, with them. They came alongside of Apollos and instructed him more in the way of Christ. They find themselves in Rome, and so Paul says, please greet them. They're my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risk their own necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. So they risk their lives. We don't have the details on this. I wish that we did. But they risk their own life for the apostle Paul. And Paul says, I'm grateful for this, as well as the Gentile church. Also, Priscilla and Aquila have church inside of their home. They, they use their home for the gathering of believers, to, to study the word of God, for fellowship, for encouragement. And what a, a great way to use our homes, to open it up to uh, believers. Now, there's uh, some questions about home church. There's a kind of a movement of home churches happening. I think that home churches are great on two conditions, and I think they're biblical conditions. And the first is that there's biblical leadership. So when churches gather, when believers gather together, there should be elders that shepherd, that feed, that hold the doctrinal integrity, church discipline uh, when, when necessary. So if a home church doesn't have biblical eldership, I don't think it's following God's guidelines for, for church. Every group of believers needs that. And the second condition for home churches is they have to be willing to grow. 
because God's heart is to see more people get reached. So if you've got a group of believers meeting in a home and people get saved and outgrow that home, then it should offshoot to another home church down the street, another home church a few miles away. If it becomes a holy huddle where we got our three families and we don't want any more, you know, we're great friends and we, we've got our little thing going on here. And we're really not desiring to see other believers encouraged or to see unbelievers reached. Well, we know the heart of God is to see unbelievers reached, to, to see the gospel go out. So this community is the same way, right? We don't want to just become a holy huddle where we're like, oh, I don't really want to see people uh, get reached. So, so God's heart is for there to be biblical leadership, but also a heart for the lost. But then it's wonderful. Most churches throughout the world that they do meet in, in homes. And that was the case at Priscilla and Aquila's house. Greet my beloved Epaphentus, who is the first fruits of Achaia to Christ. This man has a great place in Paul's heart because in Achaia, a province in Asia, he was the first to come to know Christ as his Savior. Paul wants to greet him. Greet Mary, who labored much for us. Labor means hard work, toil. So Mary, she toiled for the Apostle Paul, coming alongside of him and providing encouragement. Greet Adronicus and Juna, my countrymen, my fellow prisoners, who are of note among the apostles, who were in Christ before me. So Adronicus and Juna, they're Paul's countrymen. They've been in prison with Paul. They're apostles. They've been sent out uh, by the Lord to do missionary work, to see churches started, and they knew Christ prior to the apostle Paul. Greet Ampilus, my beloved in the Lord. That had to be encouraging if you're Ampilus and you're hearing this epistle being read, this letter being read, and Paul says, you're my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and Stachys, my beloved. Greet Apellus, approved in Christ. Greet those who are of the household of Archibolus. That's quite a name. Anybody uh, expecting with a boy, Archibolus? Greet, never done a baby dedication for Archibolus. Greet Herodian, my countrymen. Greet those who are of the household of Arnissus who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphenia and Tryphosa, who have labored in the Lord, known for laboring the Lord. Greet the beloved Persisus, who labored much in the Lord. Greet Rufus. There's a good name right there. It's a good, strong name. Rufus. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother and mine. So Rufus's mom was close to the Apostle Paul and was like a spiritual mother to the Apostle Paul. Greet Antricius, Philogon, Hermas, Patrobus, Hermas, and the brethren who are with them. Greet Philogus and Jula, Julia, Nursus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Phew, I only got to read those names one more time. Fake it till you make it, right there. Then greet one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ greet you. The Middle East, this is the common greeting to greet each other uh, with a holy kiss. For us, it's a holy handshake. It's a, it's a holy high, side hug. If you bust out the holy kiss in the foyer, we're going to have to talk with you a little bit. But Here's the two takeaways. We'll have four of these in our message this morning. 
The first two takeaways from these 16 verses is there's joy in greeting. If you notice, this word comes up over and over in these 16 verses. Paul wants these individuals to be greeted. And there's such power in greeting. And I think it's something that we've really lost. You know, it's impossible for me to greet you when my face is in my phone. And how often do we just go through life with our face in our phone? I was uh, driving home from church last night and I, I looked over and there was a husband and wife couple at a stoplight and they both just have their faces in their phone. It's just the, the glow, you know, coming up on the wife's face. And I don't know, maybe they'd be at the stoplight for 45 seconds and it's just habit. Like I gotta, gotta pull out the phone. If, if you're waiting to get your hair cut, there's other people waiting. Everybody's got their face in their phone and it makes it really difficult to, to greet each other in the love of the Lord, share the love of the Lord when, when we've got our faces in our phones. I, I think since COVID, our culture has even gotten worse at greetings, right? It just feels even more unnatural to look someone in the eye, to smile, to give them a handshake. But greeting is so important in our family relationships, you know, when we wake up and start the day, greet each other. Make the time, make a point to, to hey, good morning, good, good to see you. How did you do and how, how'd you sleep, you know? Well, I slept on my back. <laughs> no, did you sleep well, you know? That, that greeting that, that takes place in, in the morning, be, just shower each other uh, with love. It's important as we get together as a church to, to greet each other, to, to shake hands, and it's good to see you. How, how was uh, your week going? It's important in the workplace, you know, make the effort to, to greet each other. As we're going throughout our day and getting groceries and picking up a cup of coffee, picking up something at Nampa Auto Parts, is you ask the person that's working the register, how's your day going, you know? Are you having a good day? And try to develop that dialogue because there's joy in, in greeting. This shows value. This shows that someone's created in God's image, that Jesus died for them, and to be able to greet each other. So we're going to do something unorthodox right in the middle of the message. So we're going to take about two minutes, and we're going to do this. We're going to greet each other. I want you to find at least three people, shake their hand, and let them know that you're glad that they're here. So let's stand up, Let's greet each other in the love of the Lord and Jesus Christ. All right, good job, guys. This was great. Good work. How'd that feel? That feel pretty good, right? It's the power of greeting one another. I would love to see the way Jesus just loved on people in greeting. I, I think he was probably the master at greeting. The second thing that I see in these 16 verses is there's joy and encouragement. There's joy and encouragement. The Apostle Paul is taking time to greet these individuals, but also to encourage them. They're not long encouragements, 
But how nice was it for Mary to know that she labored in the Lord? And that encouragement that, man, someone sees this, this labor unto the Lord. How encouraging was it for Phoebe to have that little line in there? She's a servant of the church. Wow, that, 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 that's, that's powerful. My, my fellow prisoners. And Paul took time to think of these little encouragements that were given to, to each of them. Does anybody not like encouragement? You know, does anybody like, oh man, I wish you wouldn't have said that. All of us get built up by words of encouragement. In Proverbs 25, 11, it says, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. Just that right word at the right time. If you see someone that's doing something that honors God, that, that's just great, just encourage them. Man, thank you so much uh, for doing that. It's really the little things, isn't it? Even around the home. Hey, thanks for doing the dishes or, or thanks for, for taking the time to, to sweep the floor. Or Man, it was, it was so great to spend some time with you. I really enjoy uh, spending time with you. Also, Proverbs 18 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. We have the capacity with our words to speak life into someone's life, to speak encouragement into their life. We also have the ability to deal death. We can be a death dealer with our tongues. Too many times I get frustrated and impatient and I can be a death dealer with my tongue. But encouragement brings life. And Paul took that time to provide encouragement. I'd encourage you to make this practical today. Make it a point uh, to take the time to encourage somebody around you. Maybe it's through text. Maybe you look through your contacts and you're like, you know, I haven't encouraged this person for a while. It's been a while since I've spoke this word of encouragement into my spouse, my kids, my, my family members, my friends. But there is real joy in encouragement. In verse 17, now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause division and offense contrary to the doctrine which you learned and avoid them. There's joy and protection. When it comes to relationships, there is place for protection. The Apostle Paul cares for the Church of Rome, and he says, there's those that are going to come in, and they're going to cause division and offense. They're going to try to destroy this unity. They're going to try to destroy this joy of relationships, and it's contrary to the doctrine which you've heard, and avoid them. These are wolves in sheep's clothing. They look like sheep, they talk like sheep, they just don't eat like sheep, right? They're eating sheep, they're, they're wolves. How do you spot them? Well, they're going to cause division, they're gonna cause offense, and their doctrine is contrary to what they've learned, what they've learned in the scriptures. What is doctrine? Doctrine is teaching from God, where we say this is what God says. This is what the word of God says. Really, doctrine can be summed up in, in Bible teaching. How do you know if something's sound doctrine? Does it line up with the person and work of Jesus Christ? Do you see it in the book of Acts? Is it written about in the epistles? If the answer is yes, it's sound doctrine. But if the answer is no, then it's false doctrine and it needs to be stood up against and there's that level of protection. We're, we're going to avoid that person because they are a wolf in sheep's uh, clothing. Verse 18, for those 
who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. They're not serving Christ. If you watch closely these false teachers, they're really serving themselves, and they're concerned with their own belly. They're concerned with their own needs, their own wants, their own gain, trying to rob from God's people instead of serve God's people. But their MO is their smooth words. <laughs> they're good talkers. They're easy to listen to. They have those, those smooth words and they have flattering speech. You can take this to the bank. If someone is overly complimenting you, be careful. There is that genuine encouragement and you know, hey, I'm in relationship with you. This is a, a genuine encouragement. It comes in the right dosage. But, but if someone overly flatters you, it should cause a radar to go up and say, what are you really trying to get from me? You know, you're, you're trying to rip me off. You're trying to take something from me. And Paul says it deceives the, the heart of the simple because they simply fall prey to this flattering speech. For your obedience has become known to all, therefore I'm glad on your behalf, but I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning what is evil or ignorant concerning what is evil. And this is part of the protection is that we say, Lord, I want to love you and I want to spend time focusing on what is good. I want to be an expert on what is good, to think about what is true and noble and lovely and along with the character of Christ and I'll be ignorant concerning what is evil. We don't have to know all of the evil that is, is taking place out in the world and in our, our community. It's okay for someone to say, have you heard about this? No, I really haven't. I haven't heard about that evil that is, is taking place. I want to be ignorant concerning what is being evil and want to focus on what is good. So this is part of relationship as well is to love and care for each other enough to say, hey, I noticed it, it seems like you're, you're starting to follow this teaching that's contrary to the scriptures. Paul wants to warn the church of Rome in that way, where we love each other enough as brothers and sisters in Christ to say, we want to hold each other accountable to walk in truth. And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The victory is certain. The victory's already been won. And the time is going to come when God is going to completely crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Paul continues to emphasize the grace of God, the unearned, undeserved favor of God. Now Paul sends greeting from his team, those that are with him as he's serving. Timothy, my fellow worker, and Lucius, Jason, and Sosipater, my countrymen greet you. We know a lot of Timothy in the scriptures, this young man that did ministry with Paul, that Paul mentored and discipled. He's traveling with Paul. Paul says he's my fellow worker. These other three men we don't know a lot about, but they're doing ministry with Paul. They're his countrymen. They're from the same hometown. I, Tertus, who wrote this epistle, greet you in the Lord. Well, what's this all about? I thought Paul wrote the epistle. Paul dictated it to Tertus. So Tertus was the scribe. He was the one writing this down, and he puts in his greeting to the church of Rome as well. Gaius, my host and the host of the whole church, greet you. Erastus, the treasurer of the city, greet you. Cortus, a brother, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
be with you all. Amen. Fourth point on relationship is there's joy in team. You never see Paul doing ministry by himself. He's always linked to others serving the Lord together. He, do, he does understand that this is God's design. Remember when Jesus sent out the disciples? What did he do? He sent them out in twos. He sent them out in a team. One of my greatest joys of working here at Rocky Mountain Calvary, I had the privilege of coming on staff as the junior high pastor in February of 2000 uh, and then started lead pastoring in 2005. So it's been a lot of years. And I love working together with our staff here at Rocky Mountain Calvary. I love our, our pastoral staff. It's, it's a real joy to be able to do ministry with them. And God has blessed us with a, a great team here at the church, those on staff and also those who volunteer. One of the questions that I get from time to time is, what was it like to start senior pastoring at age 27? And someone asked me this week, you know, who is really influential in that season of transition between youth pastor and senior pastor? And is Robert Beach, our, our assistant pastor. He was the assistant pastor when I was the youth pastor, and he has stayed and faithfully served the Lord. And looking back, Robert really taught me how to be a lead pastor. He really showed me a lot of things that I didn't know in that transition between being a youth pastor and being a lead pastor. And being able to do ministry with him for over 20 years, he's such a great friend and a great, great servant, I couldn't do what, I'm, what I do in teaching God's word if it wasn't for Pastor Robert and all of his administrative gifts. And it's a joy to be able to, to do ministry with him. Sean Rafferty, who is leading out E4, been able to do ministry with him for, for over uh, 20 years. And what a blessing that he's been in my life. I know my wife, Amber, because of Sean and Lisa. You know, Sean and Lisa introduced me to Amber years ago, and they were gracious enough when they were having movie night to have me over. And I think finally they're like, we got to help this guy find a wife. Like, he's not going to do it on his own. And introduced me uh, uh, to Amber. You know, Donnie, Donnie's been here forever and a day. Like, when I started working here in February of 2000, Donnie was already working here, and he has cleaned a lot of toilets at this church. You know, he's kept this facility in great condition. And speaking of greeting, he loves to greet, and you love to receive his greeting. You know, I feel bad for the greeters at this door because you all go to that door to, to see Donnie, you know. Well, what, would, what would our church be, be like without, without Donnie? We have so many that have come to know Christ as their Savior because of, of Donnie's love and reaching out. He, he leads community service here. We allow people to do their community service hours that are ordered by a judge. And they come and serve here and serve alongside Donnie. And Donnie just loves on them and points them to uh, Jesus Christ. We had a guy get baptized last night that works for the city and comes to our church to do different things on the facility and got to know Donnie, and Donnie had the opportunity to, to be a, a, a witness uh, to him. And we think about our youth ministry, Tyler Kettner doing junior high and Tim doing high school. So thankful for their labor of the Lord in that to, to our, our teens. Tim almost passed away a year ago, August, and it's so great that he is, is with us. You know, I think of Jenna Crenshaw, 
and she's leading up women's ministry and doing a, a great job there. Dan Hooker leading up School of Discipleship. They have a graduation today. School Discipleship's a two-year program where people give years of their life uh, to study God's Word. Michelle Davis, she's our financial controller, the financial integrity of the church, and, and God really uh, uses her. And I could just go on and on. And that, those are staff folks. There's a lot of you that are volunteer, that, that serve in such an incredible way. And it's a team of people coming uh, together. Thankful for Billy leading us out in worship. I mean, what, what a blessing to know when we come in and have worship that we're going to be pointed to God's throne room as he leads out. You know, the AV team setting up everything for outside and then getting everything in for, for this morning. I mean, we can see that inside of ministry of the church, but it also works in our own lives personally. Husbands and wives, you're a team, and you're going to have joy as you do marriage as a team. Don't, don't do it uh, solo. Families, you're, you're a team. We're blessed with four kids. We refer to ourselves as the Cartier clan. You know, we're stronger together. There's, there's times where we just get to support each other and we get to, to love on uh, each other. You're, you're a team in, inside of, of your family. Inside of work, don't go solo. Don't go the way of the world and think, well, it's about me and, and me just doing my work to myself. You're, you're really only as good as your team. You're going to get more done as a team and you're going to look back on your work career, not of all of your accomplishments, but your relationships inside of where you worked that joy of, of team. Try to build community inside of where you live, in your apartment complex, in, in your neighborhood. Things are getting a little crazy in our world today. You may need to know your neighbors, right? What happens when something happens in your neighborhood? Hopefully you know your neighbors. What if you have an emergency in your house? Hopefully you know, know your neighbors. And it's just God's design, it's God's design to, to say we want to be in team. We want to be in relationship with each other. But it's not easy, is it? It's not necessarily easy, but it is worthwhile. There's, there's joy in team. We have the benediction. We have Paul's uh, conclusion. Now to him who's able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began. God is able to establish you. That's the encouragement from the book of Romans in my gospel. Not that Paul owns the gospel, but it's how personal the gospel is to him. Paul really concludes with the theme of the whole entire letter, and that's the gospel. If you were to sum up the book of Romans, it's a detailed account of the good news. It's a detailed account of the gospel, that we're sinners that need a savior, and God graciously gave his son to die for us. Keep your eyes on the cross. It's the cross of Jesus Christ, what he's done for us. That's the beginning point. It's the end point. It's every point in between. And that's what establishes us, is not our work, but the work of Jesus Christ. The revelation of Jesus, this mystery, not that it's beyond figuring out, but it's a mystery that God revealed at an appointed time. And that's what verse 26 points. But now God made manifest, and by the prophetic scriptures made known to all saints, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, for obedience to the faith. God revealed Christ through scripture. As you study the scripture, Christ is revealed to us. To God, only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Amen. 
And it's been a real joy to study the book of Romans together. And I pray that you've been blessed. I would encourage you sometime today to pray through what's your takeaway from the book of Romans? Is there a verse or two that God has really put upon your heart? Was it joy and trial from Romans 5? That God uses trial to build up perseverance, to build up character. Was it Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for good? Was it possibly that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, that nothing can separate us from the love of God, that God's the God of hope? Because six months from now, we'll go, uh, what book did we do before Luke? Oh yeah, I think it was Romans. Wah, 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 right? So go back. Lord, what, what was it? Underline it. Put it in your heart, that nugget from the book of Romans. And then the application for us today, this morning, this joy of relationship. Have you been hurt in relationship? I'm sure that you have. Have you been hurt by believers, disappointed, let down, hurt by family members, and gotten to a place where you're saying, you know, I'm not really interested in being close to people. I'm not really interested in being in relationship. I want to encourage you that God's design is for us to be in relationship. And Satan's tactic is to try to get us isolated. And maybe one of the ways that he does this is we get hurt, and instead of extending forgiveness, we get bitter, and we put walls up. We say, I'm going to go through life being protected because I don't want to hurt like this again. Well, Jesus went to the cross, and he hurt. He suffered upon the cross in order to be in relationship. And would you pray about extending forgiveness? Extending forgiveness in your heart, letting go of that bitterness. That person has hurt you enough. Reconciliation is dependent upon repentance if there, there's a change of action and behavior. But forgiveness is something that God wants us to extend, to choose to forgive. I don't ever feel like forgiving if someone's really hurt me. I feel like holding on to resentment. It's a choice of obedience according to God's word. Jesus, you've forgiven me, so I choose to forgive and be willing to invest in relationships. Because though we see the joy in relationships, it is a lot of work. It will challenge us. We'll reach a point where we've got to extend forgiveness, where we've got to receive forgiveness. Sometimes we're the ones that sin and wrong others, and it's no fun to be on that end of it as well. But these are interesting times that we're living, living in. They're challenging times. They're challenging spiritually. There's a lot of deception out there. It's challenging what's happening on a national level and issues in our, in our government. You know, the economy is just going nuts. Went across the street last night to pick up some tacos and normally get carne asada tacos. Not anymore. They're four sixty a taco for one taco. It's like, all right, guys, we're doing chicken or ground beef. They're half the price, right? I mean, it's just crazy. Think, things are almost doubling in, in the cost, and that causes anxiety. I, I was noticing at the, at the grocery store, nobody's happy at the grocery store right now. Like, you weren't happy before, but, but nobody's happy as they're over there 
and the prices that are taking place in groceries. So with these challenges of these interesting times, how do we respond? Hopefully res respond by getting closer to the Lord and closer to one another and investing in relationship, making time for believers, a connect group, men's and women's study, organically having believers over to your home saying, hey, let's, let's grab a meal together. Let's spend time together because there's really, truly joy in relationship. Would you stand with me? Let's pray. Let's ask God to, to bless our relationships by his grace. Jesus, we, we thank you for relationship. And relationships are beautiful and difficult and we know that you've forgiven us and we choose right now in Jesus' name to, to forgive. Who's the person that comes to mind that you need to forgive this morning? Just, just choose right now to forgive them. In your heart, I forgive them in Jesus' name because God has forgiven me. Just pray for them. Pray for God to bless them. Give them the knowledge of Jesus. Provide for their needs. God, would you lift that bitterness off of our hearts? Lord, I pray for those that are completely lonely and isolated. And this is a really painful message for them. And they want to be in relationship, but find themselves alone. First, God, would you, would you comfort them? And also, would you give avenue for relationship? Would you, would you bring one or two people in, in their life to take them into depth of relationship? God, we thank you for the team here at, at RMC. We just pray that you would bless the team by your grace. We, we thank you for the, the team inside of our families the team in our neighborhoods. We, we pray for good relationships in, in our neighborhoods. Lord, in the workplace, would you be gracious to, to bless relationships? So we thank you for our time together. In Jesus' name, amen.